Hello, listeners. This is Aaron. We have missed you. We hope the holiday of your choice was filled with as much joy as you could possibly handle. Keith and I and our two talented for their own good staff took a little time off, but mostly have been working hard on our upcoming minisodes as well as season three. In fact, today, Friday the 22nd, we are heading off on our annual retreat to stoke the fires of the next season. It's going to be a great season, and we are excited to share it with you. We'll be live tweeting the retreat, so make sure to follow us on Twitter and get an inside scoop and little teases on what's to come. Speaking of which, as I mentioned, we've got some great minisodes coming up very, very soon. They will be here before you know it. Also, thanks to the wonderful and overwhelming support of our Kickstarter backers, our new website is almost ready. It's leaps and bounds from our old site, and it will be a great companion to the show. You'll be able to dive deeper into the episodes, characters, and collaborators, and hopefully stoke some fires of your own. While all of this, at least to us, is great news, I have some even better news to share. Nerdette is back. They've been on a break as well, and a brand spanking new episode is dropping next week. If you don't know Nerdette, you need to check them out. Hosts Trisha Bobita and Greta Johnson unearth compelling conversations from people like Neil deGrasse Tyson, Miranda July, Kate Mulgrew, a.k.a. Captain Catherine Janeway. Sarah Val is in an upcoming episode, and I could not be more excited. Seriously, if I was more excited, it'd probably kill me. But I know that our recommendations can only go so far, so we'd like to share with you a little piece of their past work. Last year, they did a series of Great Lady Nerds of History. It was literally amazing. It filled us with amazement. And we'd like to share one of those pieces with you. So give this a listen, and if you haven't already, go subscribe to Nerdette. So glad they're back. You can always tell by how a kid swings on a swing set, how adventurous they are. How high are they willing to go? Are they begging their parents for an underdog at the park? And then when they get a little older, there's the kids who launch themselves from the highest point possible into the mulch or the turf or whatever's on the ground just to spend a few extra seconds in the sky. There's a park on the south side of Chicago named Bessie Coleman Park, and I bet there's more than a few daredevils there. But I bet most of them would still feel a knot in their stomach if they saw some of the things Bessie Coleman did in a plane. This week marks the birthday of Bessie Coleman. She was the first African-American female pilot. And it's fitting that there's a park named after her here in Chicago because this is where she caught the flying bug. She grew up in the South, but moved to Chicago in her early 20s to live with a couple of her brothers. And she worked as a manicurist, but also at a chili parlor. And at that chili parlor, she heard stories from soldiers who'd come back who knew how to touch the sky. This was America's first crop of pilots who came home from the war and had nothing to do with this skill set. There was very little commercial flight. The planes themselves were terrifyingly unsafe. So a lot of these men did the only thing they could think of when they came home from flying in the war. They created a business out of flight. And they did it with these surplus airplanes that the military no longer needed. So for a couple hundred bucks, which was more money back in the 1910s and 20s to be sure, but only a couple hundred bucks, you could get an airplane. And again, these airplanes were not the sturdiest. And they were open from the pilot seat to the wing. And so you may have seen videos of this before, old-timey footage of people teetering on the wings or jumping from plane to plane. 
These daredevil stunts were called barnstorming. And Bessie Coleman was intrigued by all of it, but especially flying. But to get that pilot's license, she couldn't do it in the United States. No American flight school would allow a black woman to train. So it was actually the publisher of the Chicago Defender who said, you have to go to France. In France, they let women fly. So he helped her raise money. She learned French and she set off to Paris. And there she learned how to fly. Bessie Coleman came back and she too couldn't find work as a commercial pilot. Her gender and her race meant that no one would hire her even if there were enough commercial pilot jobs. So she ended up barnstorming too, doing these crazy stunts in the air. I love this about her. She would only perform in venues, not only that were desegregated, but ones where everyone got to walk through the same entrance. And again, these planes were rickety, so they broke a lot. There were a lot of repairs and costs, and sometimes you needed a whole new plane. But Bessie Coleman earned extra money by lecturing around the country. And she was trying to save up enough to create a flight school in the US that would allow women, that would allow African-Americans. But before she was able to do that, she died in an accident, fell out of a plane all the way to her death. She was only in her mid-30s. She'd become such a prominent figure in the civil rights movement that Ida B. Wells spoke at her funeral, and it's estimated that 10,000 people turned out to pay their respects. For years after her death, it became a tradition for pilots to fly over her grave and drop flowers. There are a lot of aviation clubs for women named Bessie Coleman. There's a part of O'Hare Airport here in Chicago named after her. And there's that park on the south side where kids jump out of swings at the highest point they can and touch the sky for just a minute. 